Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar, along with Judd Zolgad, who had to uh, miss Sunday's game. We thank Derek Wetmore for filling in. But Judd, you're back. How are you? I'm good, and you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. We're going to have playoff football. It's officially signed, sealed, and delivered. And now yeah. we just wait to see uh, what the seeding is going to be. You and I are going to make a trip to Green Bay this week, so we will be there to maybe see Aaron Rodgers, maybe not see Aaron Rodgers. Let's get to that real quick first, and then we've got a couple other things to touch on here. But, Judd, you like the idea, and I think you're a little crazy for this, you mm-hmm. like the idea of Aaron Rodgers playing against the Vikings this week. Yes, I do, and here's why. Very simple. I don't. If I'm the Vikings, I don't want to go Bengals, completely checked out, didn't give a damn. Uh, Packers, where if, if Rodgers doesn't play, I could win again by a lot. Bears in the last week, which I'm guessing, again, completely checked out. By week, me- meaning that I won't play a competitive, really good game uh, from the time that I lost to uh, Carolina to the time that I play my first playoff game. So if I'm the Vikings, I would like as tough a test as possible against the Packers, and uh, and that would certainly be more likely to come if I have to face their starting quarterback. If I face Hundley in, in that defense, my guess is the Packers very well. They might try, but they also might say, you know what, Collar, it's real cold here. We are miserable, and we're going to lose by 21. So if I'm the Vikings, I want as tough I, – I want one tough test, and the only real uh, chance before the playoffs of getting that tough test is to get it against the Packers. Uh, I get where you're coming from with that, but I look at it as playoff seeding over everything, and you really need to win these last two games to get that first-round bye. That, that's going to give you the best chance to win the Super Bowl, and what happens against Aaron Rodgers isn't really that relevant. And they've had so many tests along the way. It's not like this defense needs another test. They've faced off with Jared Goff and with Matt Ryan, and they've beat those teams, and then they got a little bit of a wake-up call when they went against Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. I think if you just beat Brett Hundley's face in, just like they did with Andy Dalton, that's just as good as playing a game against Aaron Rodgers. It's not tests. It's staying sharp. 
I want to stay as sharp as possible, and I just I'm not a fan of of basically going a month with with three non-competitive games potentially, and so I I want I want one more ability to stay sharp, and I'm afraid that the the Bengals and Bears aren't going to offer that. I mean, the Bengals on Sunday that was as big a mail and job as you could possibly see, and I, I would guess John Fox's last game um, on December the 31st at uh, downtown is not going to be. Much more than that, so I think you're. I think your one chance to get a test and to actually uh, stay sharp is the Green Bay game. Uh, but then again, if I'm the Packers and the Falcons win and knock me out of the playoffs, collar, I'm probably saying, you know what? We'll see you next year. Brett Hundley starts against the Vikings, and that's what I think you want from this game. Is you want a Packers team that's basically given up. I mean, even though it's going to be a night game and there's a, maybe some more energy to that. Still, yep. I you don't want Aaron Rodgers get it, taking a hit and then things getting heated again and somebody getting hurt because of it. I mean, we saw some big hits, uh, not only the Aaron Rodgers one, but also Laquan Treadwell had that big block uh, against Green Bay that kind of knocked a guy out. So I don't really want to see Green Bay really fired up and motivated to start taking shots at Vikings players because more important than any of these things, more important than even their playoff seating, in my mind, is coming out of these two games with everyone 100% healthy because right now they have to be one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. And I can't remember too many times we got to the end of a season. Now, I know they lost the two guys early, but we got to the end of the season in almost every single position especially on defense is is all set it's almost 100 percent healthy oh you just jinxed him oh, that's a, yeah. that's the sorry worst thing you could possibly say you just <laughs> jinxed him uh the one the one thing against the packers that would concern me and and we could talk all we want about the bounty system is dead and that doesn't happen anymore if i'm an anthony Barr, i'm watching my back and i'm dead serious about that i don't trust these guys and and with the animosity built up towards him since his hit I would just be very careful. Let me put it that way. I'm not going to turn my back because uh, I don't trust. I mean, you know, supposedly we don't. I, I get it that you're not supposed to, you know, pay guys to hit guys and all that. And I'm sure that that's died down a bit. But this is one case where I would be a little bit concerned. Uh, I would also be concerned, especially if the Vikings got up by a couple touchdowns. If I'm Mike Zimmer and we're up 14 in the third or fourth quarter, I'm taking Anthony Barr out of the game. Oh, I agree. Because I, I do not want Green Bay yep. down by 14 or 21 and then just taking a shot at Anthony Barr's knees because behind Anthony Barr is nothing. Yep. I mean, Emmanuel Lemur has been in the league, but he is nowhere close. And Ben Gideon has had a nice little year for the 20% of snaps that he's played. I think he's done an okay job. But nowhere close to what Anthony Barr has brought to the table this year. You have to make sure that you come out of these games healthy. That would be at the top of the list. And I think that that storyline dies down entirely if he is not going to play. If Rodgers is not going to play, I think there's almost nothing to talk about with Anthony Barr in Green Bay. But if he's in, then you know things could get a little more hairy. So I, I would prefer him not to be in that game and for the Vikings to have an easy win just like they had against the Bengals. Uh, I got some, sure. got a few other things for you, Joe. Baby. 
Four degrees. Four degrees, yes. Yeah. Four degrees on Saturday night at Lambeau Field. Yes, It'll Mike Zimmer uh, was asked to break down what it's like to play in the cold. And I was like, okay, we've reached that point of the season then. Of course. <laughs> just, just, all right. It's an obligatory cold story. You got it right. Eh? Yep, yep. Every, uh, every year it will be cold somewhere, and someone will talk to a head coach about it being cold. And uh, Zimmer was like, well, it doesn't make that big of a difference. Like, you're killing the story, Zim. Um, so I was speaking of the cold, though. Uh, this offense that the Vikings run cannot be knocked down because of cold or wind because it does not ask Case Keenum to throw the ball very far. Judd, I mm. dug up this stat today that Keenum only averages 5.8 air yards per attempt. Uh, yep. Which... Um, Actually, that's per completion, sorry, which is the fourth lowest sure. among regular quarterbacks in the NFL. So when he's completing passes, he is not throwing the ball very far. I think early in the season he started out that way with that one game against Tampa Bay, and since they have dialed that back entirely, and he's not throwing the ball down the field really at all, the beneficiaries of that have been Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray. And mm-hmm. I dug this one up today. Another good stat for you here. Since Delvin Cook went down, they've averaged 154 yards from scrimmage combined, which is second among running back combos in the NFL for the season. So what do you make of how sustainable an offense is that relies on throwing so much to Jarek McKinnon and having a good running game? I think for the, the year it's fine, and I love this. And and let me be very clear, what, why it is it that when you or I or Phil talk about Case and we don't praise him, that people all think, you hate him, you hate him. No, we don't. Here's my point. My point is that Keenum has been put into an offense where the coordinator's done a brilliant job of saying, this is how he should be used. This is the smart thing to do. Pat Shermer has done a unbelievable job, I think, of of wisely utilizing his personnel. And Case has been put in a position game after game, for the most part, snap after snap, to succeed. And, and he has. And that's to his credit. Um, but there seems to be this whole thing. Every time I talk about Case and the fact that he doesn't throw deep a ton, I get all these notes back. Yes, he does. You don't watch the games. You don't know this or that. If you sit down and watch the games, the Vikings have done a magnificent job. And listen, a lot of what they're doing, Collar, and this is brilliant, and this is and this is exactly what you want, is really effective West Coast uh, offense, right? I mean, yes. basically this this is the this is when you talk about the West Coast, this is it: short passing game to set up what the occasional deep pass. And so, as far as this goes right now, I think this offense, personnel wise and scheme wise has been used perfectly, they've looked great, and I see no re- reason why it can't continue into the playoffs. I, I think so, too, as long as opponents don't do what Carolina did, which was pressure so effectively that it takes away the play-action game. And, you know, if opponents also have a really good linebacker, too, we saw the difference that linebackers make from those two weeks when you have luke keekley it's really hard to throw those screen passes when you have hardy nickerson jr not hardy nickerson senior then uh if you had <laughs> hardy nickerson, to throw on now. yeah hardy nickerson senior that would have been pretty tough because he's in his 60s probably uh but um 
his son is an undrafted player who kind of looked pretty lost out there, and it was really easy for them to drop off screen passes. I wonder how that's going to be when you have linebackers like Bobby Wagner or Luke Keekley who can close really quickly on the screen passes because they've relied very heavily on the short passing game. But the thing is that nobody can really guard Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, so you essentially have to pick your poison with this team. It's either mm-hmm. those guys are going to be wide open. And and by the way, I know that we talk about it all the time, how good those two guys are, but you don't really truly appreciate it till you watch the Oakland Raiders. Because when you watch the Oakland Raiders, Derek Carr, who I think is you know an okay quarterback, maybe good, He's making throws that are right on the money sometimes and just getting dropped over and over and over again. And if it's not a perfect throw right to the guy, it's mm-hmm. probably not getting caught. And and that's even with Amari Cooper. And Michael Crabtree drops the ball all the time. And it's just, you watch around the league, Des Bryant, who's been a good receiver, drops balls, stops on a route. You just never see these things from Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And and so, I, you know, I asked Mike Zimmer about these explosive plays that they've gotten from, uh, you know, McKinnon out of the backfield in the receiving game and Murray in the running game. And he basically said what we've been talking about all year is it's the culmination of everything. It's, it's Shermer with his game plans that there isn't one way you can stop this offense because it's so dynamic. And it's also the skill. And I think you really saw it, too, on Sunday, Judd. Second play from scrimmage. Here comes Pat Elfline flying out of the backfield or flying out of the offensive line upfield, knocks down a safety, and then you end up with 28 yards from Latavius Murray. So you have all the pieces in place for Pat Shermer to play the full chess game, if you will. And that's basically why this offense has been so good. That's not to say that Case Keenum hasn't executed it. It's only right. to say that his success has a ton to do with all of that that we just laid out. I think the most important thing is is this. Do not take any element of what you're seeing for granted. Do not assume that this is going to be a case in 2018 or 19. Do not assume that if you bring in a new OC, if uh, Shermer leaves, that you are just going to bring in the new OC and it's going to be a seamless transition. Don't make any assumptions. Appreciate the fact that right now the Vikings have an offense that number one makes perfect sense. They they always they do things and, and you're like, okay, yeah, that was great. And and number two, they have an offense that is operating at an efficiency that we do not see here on a consistent basis. So that's my point. And I think we are I think part of the problem here is this. We are so in the age of the superstar that we always want to credit somebody playing right well right. it's the quarterback because the quarterback's always got to be the start and listen rogers brady wilson there is a small list of guys where if you say that you are 100 percent right and that's correct but when it comes to this system it's not one player it's the entire thing it's the entire scheme the players deserve credit but but it goes back to how the players and personnel are schemed up and used and i'll go back to what i've said for a long time here which is Riley Reef, who didn't play, I, I, I know, but Reef has been instrumental. When mm-hmm. you look at, at this offensive line, and you can you can show me all the PFF grades that you want about they're not great, blah blah blah. Hey, listen, they're very good. Um, but my my point is not to not to uh, crap on Case. My point is to spread praise around and say the efficiency that you're seeing 
is basically offense-wide. You know what it reminds me of a lot is kind of like when Tom Brady first came into the league before before he was unbelievable, which he is now. When yep. he first came into the league, Bill Belichick really seemed to design the offense to set him up for many short and easy passes and get yards after the catch. It's kind of the tried-and-true method, but the only way you can really see uh, succeed with that is is if you have all the other great things around it. So this has been tried many a time, right, where you throw the short passes and the screens with a backup quarterback or a fringe starter, and sometimes it works. I mean, throughout the, the history of the league, we've seen it work for all sorts of teams that have won 10, 11 games. I mean, Matt Castle won 11 games uh, with the Patriots the same way, and mm-hmm. uh, one that I stumbled upon the other day Kerry Collins at age like 36 was the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans and went 12 and 4 and and then you know never did it again and it was a disaster and so it's it's not entirely uncommon and it goes back to when Keenum took over that I wrote a kind of a bigger piece looking at some of his numbers about you know how good could this team be with Case Keenum and at the time I said probably 10 and 6 and they've been even better than that but uh, we thought with this supporting cast that that's why Sam Bradford would go to the next level, and that just applies to Case Keenum. And then the health has been obviously a huge, huge, huge factor. Don't jinx the collar. You Don't jinx just, it. I'm telling you, if you look at the teams with the most injuries, it's always oh, sure. they always get taken down unless they have the great quarterback. It's always about that uh, in the NFL. All right, one other I've thing. Oh, go ahead. Hey, quick, I've said this. There are. Um, five or six components to to the defense, if one get, gets taken out, the entire game has changed, I think. Yep. yep. Griffin, Griffin, Joseph, Barr, Kendricks, Rhodes, uh, Smith. Six six components. Now, now, now there are guys besides that who, who, if they got hurt, would be a big deal. But those are like the six keys to me. If those six guys are playing, you are incredibly tough to beat. If you remove one guy... From that chessboard, though, it becomes an entirely different game. I think I might add Trey Wayne's to that because I don't have a whole yeah, lot of yeah. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Mackenzie Alexander still. Just as a fill-in, he's done okay, but you might have to move Terrence Newman to the outside at that point, and then Alexander full-time inside or play Tremaine Brock, who has not really gotten on the field at all this year. He okay. was. And Waynes, you're right. Yeah, and, well, and the thing is, too, that, that Waynes is one of the most targeted cornerbacks in the entire NFL. So that's yep. what opposing teams are doing. They're going after Trey Waynes, and so far it hasn't been a huge issue, but it could be a huge issue if they have to shuffle things around. So I, I am 100% with you that they need every single piece in place. I think on both offense and defense, you even saw the worst game that Case Keenum played this year was the Baltimore Ravens game. And I think he threw for 188 yards and a pick, right? Mm-hmm. Who was missing in that game? Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, yeah. And they, and, yep. and you remember, we were sitting in the press box, and I pointed out to you that the Baltimore Ravens showed Laquan Treadwell zero respect. They were isolating him on an island and covering well, everybody have. else. It, they were justified. I'll put it that way. They were very justified. Yes, yes, they were. The good old Laquan. Yes, they were. And, and and it just shows you that you lose one piece of that puzzle, how much mm-hmm. of a difference that makes. Uh, Judd, you are working on a column about the depth of the Vikings and the makeup of the Vikings. 
And, yes. you know, we were just talking about Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray and what they've meant since Delvin Cook has gone down to this offense. And Murray, the fact that they were able to find him and bring him in as a guy who was a pretty good running back before, but I guess to me he's been better than I actually thought he was going to be uh, mm-hmm. for this Vikings team and let Adrian Peterson go. I, I think we should never forget how big of a deal this offseason was in making the right moves, not only guys they brought in, but also guys they let go. In one sense, it's um, it's wise moves made from a personnel standpoint and scheme standpoint, and the other flip side as well, which is, I think, just as important as this Vikings team, and this is rare, but this Vikings team seems to me to be very likable. They seem to be a likable group, and, and for football players, that's really good. And, and it seems that they also, for a football team, I don't, I can't think of one guy who you say, you know what, that guy's a jerk. Ego is huge, blah, blah, blah. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that they don't have guys who don't love themselves to a certain degree, but it does, but it does mean that you don't think of, you don't go down a list of guys and say, jerk, 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 jerk. So, anyway, four offensive subtractions that help this team either from a personnel standpoint or chemistry. How about this one? Peterson, both ways, definitely. Peterson being gone is huge. Peterson being gone has opened up a world that the Vikings didn't know existed, that running backs can catch the ball and run free, that running backs can block and actually <laughs> help out, that running backs can be multi-dimensional pieces of the offense. His subtraction, and if you recall, if Peterson in, in a game – Carried the ball 15 times or 12 times. Guess what? He was upset. He'd go up to Zim and say, Zim, what's going on? i got to carry the ball more. And you can't throw me the ball because I really can't catch and I can't block. And so Peterson's subtraction is a huge plus. Number two, and this guy actually contributed, but I have a feeling he didn't necessarily fit the dynamic of, uh, of uh, Zim's team, Cordell Patterson. Number three. The subtraction, both from a both from a playing standpoint and from a standpoint of one great year from this guy, and then he he got hurt or didn't want to play or was or was mad at fans. Matt Khalil, <laughs> mad at fans. And number four, Alex Boone, who was a non-fit both, I think, schematically and also. I mean, this line. It seems like they're a really tight knit group who are very quiet. Don't don't want to talk to you guys, which is fine. Don't want to talk about themselves ever, which is actually probably good. And Alex Boone was Mr. Loudmouth, you know, bleep the fans, shut the bleep up, or the Packers are going to win the division over my bleeping dead body and all this stuff and all this bluster. And maybe from some positions that that would have worked, but it didn't work from his spot. So I think Peterson, Patterson, Khalil, and Boone, their subtractions either from a, a personnel standpoint, a chemistry standpoint, or both, have been enormous helps. The only one that I could find any disagreement in would be Cordero Patterson. And, I, I mean, I think that Cordero Patterson's personality changed last year when he started getting more opportunities. He was less of a selfish player. I mean, you remember that they put him in as a gunner, which was kind of crazy at that point. Like, really? You're putting in this guy, this former first-round pick, who you traded up to get as a punt gunner? But then he, like, forced a fumble and did a really great job and earned his way back on the field. 
I think that this offense could have used him. Not that they really needed it because they've succeeded, but imagine with the success of Thielen and Diggs being able to run a reverse with Cordero Patterson or a screen with Cordero Patterson. Uh, I, I mean, I think that that would have added a little bit of an extra dimension, and they've got nothing from the kick return. And I turn on that Oakland and Dallas game the other night, and the first thing I see is Cordero Patterson running away from everybody on a kick return. That would have given a, a little bit to the special teams. So it wouldn't have been, in my mind, a big problem to bring him back, and I might mm-hmm. put him separate from this list. But Boone was not a scheme fit, and that was one of the biggest things. I mean, I agree with you that entirely this line has its own personality that has played a big role in its success, but it also goes along with the scheme, and you see Nick Easton running out there and blocking a safety. That was something that Alex Boone could not really do. Um, Absolutely, yep. And, and that's cool. huge. And the Adrian Peterson thing is the biggest one. That's, that is at the very, very top of the list because of how important the running backs are to the success, and we need to make sure that when we talk about Jarek McKinnon, we give him the proper credit as a pass blocker this year. He's improved every single year as a pass blocker and maybe shows us a little bit that you can get better at that. And w- <laughs> I was going to say, yep. Eureka, he wanted to improve. Yes, if you care, if you care, you can. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the Latavius said the same thing. I asked Latavius, one of the first questions I asked him this year was, how are you so good at pass blocking? And he says, well, I tried. <laughs> I mean, I, I worked on it. I wasn't very yeah. good. He said, I wasn't very good, and I got embarrassed a few times. And I said, well, that's not going to work because I'm a sixth-round pick, so I better block. And he learned to do it. And having that, I mean, it's, it goes to all the pieces fitting just perfectly together. And having guys that can pass block for Case Keenum to help him out uh, has been a, a big difference maker in, in my mind. So, yeah, I, I'm entirely with you that it's not just about who they brought in, though those guys mm-hmm. have helped. It's also who they let go. And real quick, Judd, do you think that Adrian Peterson finds a job next year? Um, I think he probably does because of, of his name. If he were to uh, call me up right now and say, Judd, what do you think I should do? I would say, hang it up. Yep. Stop. Stop it. Stop playing. This is getting sad. I'm, I'm, big on, I'm big on recognizing when you're basically cooked or fried, especially when you were great. You know, if you're a journeyman, I don't give a damn. Keep playing. Who cares? But when you were great, I mean, Everything I say about Peterson is applicable from about, what, 2016 or or 15. I mean, and I know he was statistically good still in 15. But when but when he his inability to do certain things became a big deal, it sort of became sad, and now it's pathetic. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say, Adrian, from 2007 through 12 or 13, you were spectacular. You were great. You know what? You couldn't block and you couldn't catch, and it drove people crazy, but you were still great. But just stop it now because this is sad to watch. And you can't do – the only the only way, in my opinion, a Peterson stays around now is if he's a complete player. This guy is the opposite. So I, so I, I would tell him, stop playing. My guess is he won't. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Historically, people just keep giving running backs jobs until it is complete dust on the ground. But, you know, I I think that maybe this is the time where they do say, no, sorry, man, you got yourself traded out of New Orleans, a great team. You got yourself traded out of there because you wouldn't take on the role. And the only reason it worked for a couple of weeks 
in Arizona is just because their starter got hurt, and then everybody quickly figured that out and just stopped you pretty easily after that one week. And that one week was against Tampa Bay, who's one of the worst defenses in the league, and that was it. And the rest of the time in Arizona, he was completely ineffective. Don't you think that Peterson did so much damage to his goodwill that uh, when the Vikings go to the playoffs this year, and if they Mm -hmm. go to the Super Bowl, no Mm -hmm. one will be saying... Gosh, I wish they did it with Peterson. Oh, definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, there will be a few because there's always going to be a a certain faction of the fan base that loves him. But what they have to realize is they are there because he's not. Like, this isn't a – this is not a Adrian got old and so they replaced him, but it's still the same offense. This is an offense – I mean, this is – Peterson being gone now, Collar, is this. It's the couple that stayed together for, for the kids. And they <laughs> stayed together and they stayed together. And finally, Johnny, went, thank God, went off to college. And mom and dad separated. And now they're so happy because they realize there's a life outside of their miserable marriage. There's things they can do. They love their life. And you know why? Because they found new things. I mean, can you imagine if you had gone back to poor Pat Shermer and said, okay, Pat, Adrian's back. Oh, man. He would have cried. He He might have quit on the spot. I would have quit because he would have said, hold on a second. You're telling me I'm going to go from from a scheme that allows me to deploy backs in the pass game to deploy them to block, which they should, and run. And now I'm back to a guy that can run. And by the way, if he doesn't get 20 carries a game, he's mad. Murray's start to his year before Cook got hurt was like this, Collar. Two carries, three carries, two carries, seven carries. Cook gets hurt. Twelve carries, fifteen carries. He didn't get up to eighteen carries until week seven. And it wasn't a problem at all. No, th- in, that's in the my locker point. room. Yeah. That's that's my point about this team. We're talking about we are we are talking about a completely different mindset. And and I can't tell you how many how many times Peterson, the only thing he cared about was Peterson. It wasn't the team. This is a we now have a situation where the vast majority of people who play for that team actually care about that team and not their own personal statistics. All right, Judd. Anything else from uh, anything else from the Bengals game before uh, we wrap this one up, and then uh, you can start packing the old car because we're going on a road trip. Road trip, to road Green Bay. Trip. Uh, Bridgewater. Um, nice storyline. It's nice to see him back. You know what? For a guy who a year plus ago was basically, what, uh, taken off the field, and the team said to themselves, he might lose lose his bleeping leg. It's a really good story. And I don't know where this is going to go for him. I don't know if he's going to stay here or sign elsewhere. But just the fact that he got back on the, the you know, with the team and played in a game is a really good story. And if he stays here, that's great. If he doesn't, that's fine, too. But when you consider that there was a time where people thought he was probably absolutely done, that's a good storyline. And I would add to that that uh, the reason Mike Zimmer doesn't ever have to name Case Keenum the starting quarterback for the rest of the year is because Uh Case Keenum was on the sideline cheering Teddy, Teddy with the crowd. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's right there. That's why. Because neither one of these guys 
is rifting with each other. They don't hate each other. They're not fighting. They're not splitting the locker room. There's nothing going on like that. So if you're Zimmer, you just let it play out the way it's going to play out. You don't need to reassure Keenum. He's totally fine. And these guys are working together to, to beat teams where Teddy is watching the film. He's telling Case Keenum what he sees when they're on the sideline. So the personalities of the two guys uh, have been really important to keeping the bus on the road, you know, or whatever, train on the tracks. Train um, on the tracks. And, and you tell me how many QBs would come off the field and do that. Yeah, not many. Not, I mean, not many who were not secure 100% with their job. All right. You think I, Brett Favre would be? You think Brett Favre would have done that? Yeah, probably not. Probably. Aaron, How about a hey, great Aaron. work? Great work by NFL Network of Football Life. They found several clips of Brett Favre talking to Aaron Rodgers. Great I work. It. I saw it. It's like a dinosaur clip. Yeah, it was oh like. Oh my god! They found a. Oh my How god, many hours? Much. How many hours did someone sit there watch that poor intern who had to? All right. You have to find one clip of Brett happily talking to Aaron Rodgers. What? I'll never find that. Did Needle I like in Aaron? a haystack. Did I like Aaron? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. All right. Jay. All right. Okay. I'm done. All right. Let's talk some hockey on our See hockey ya. podcast. All right. Okay. Bye.